Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm here uh, with Anatoly Carlin uh, once again. Uh, Anatoly, you're still in, a, how do you pronounce it, Roatan, the island in Honduras? Uh, yeah, Prospera. Uh, that's the uh, Libertalian uh, charter city. Uh, that's yeah. uh, sort of like fasting all of these cool new biotech companies and stuff. Yeah, and we'll get we'll get to that. We'll talk about mm-hmm. your experience there. Uh, but for now, the uh, let's uh, start by the covering the news. Uh, 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 Navalny, Alexei Navalny, uh, died a few days ago. Uh, you wrote a piece called "Navalny Died a Baron." What's what's and, and what is a what is a baron? I assume it's a Russian word that means from context means real man or something a mensch or something like that. Uh, kind of, yeah. Um, it's uh, basically the first to a nobleman or an aristocrat, uh, but with connotations of someone who is a character or is a master of his domain. Uh, so one of my sort of like most memorable moments uh, in my sort of soju- sojourns uh, within Russian nationalism was uh, when I was once talking with Yegor uh, Prasvidnin. Uh, he um, uh, once referred to um, uh, like even Yeltsin or Navalny as a, as as Baron type people, and um, uh, contested them with um, uh, Putin as a uh, nondescript uh, uh, non-entity NPC kind of character, and I didn't really know what he meant by that because objectively it seemed that uh, Putin was like more successful ruling Russia for more than twenty years at that point. Well, twenty years. Uh, so what was he talking about? What was he blathering about? It? But now I kind of really get him. In the respect, yeah, and yeah, and so uh, from reading your piece, um, it's it, the, I, I'm fascinated by this idea of sort of the Putin regime as these kind of uh, charisma vampires. Like the whole uh, the whole sort of point of Putinism is that it ends up. Uh, just going after anyone who has any kind of personality or independence of thought. Uh, you, you can be pro-regime or you can be anti-regime. Um, as long as you're not just some kind of gray uh, mediocrity like, like Shogu or somebody like that, uh, you're basically you're you're basically always at risk of going to jail or, or being killed. Is that, is that your understanding of the regime? Approximately, yes. I mean, I was under the... Uh uh, partial delusion that, uh, well, um, although Russia, I mean, was obviously uh, a sort of like an authoritarian uh, country uh, for a long time uh, now, since uh, 2012, uh, probably at the, at the latest. Uh, but it did seem for a while that uh, there were some meritocratic elements. Uh, but the um, uh, the story of the figures that uh, that I'm familiar with, the more the more colorful uh, figures, uh, tell tell the story uh, by themselves. Uh, so I just mentioned Prasvinian. Uh, he is uh, vastly less known in the Western discourse than uh, than Dugin, although uh, realistically he was vastly more influential uh, in Russian nationalism as it uh, as it were, as an intellectual movement as it appeared in the in the twenty tens, and uh, uh, so. Like if if Putinism had embraced the ideology uh, that Prosvinian uh, and uh, Sputnik.com, which was his flagship magazine, uh, had expounded, uh, then I think that this is would have been a narrative that would have been genuinely inspirational and would have um, um, uh, like led to great success in the war. Uh, 
uh, amongst other things. Uh, but instead, uh, he committed suicide after being harassed by the Kremlin's for, for years, essentially. And uh, basically, the only uh, like right wing uh, uh, intellectual, uh, intellectual and apostrophes that Westerners know about is uh, someone like Alexander Dukin uh, with his uh, dance about surfing as the uh, uh, primary expression of, uh, of Atlanticism. And uh, I mean, uh, this, I mean, this, uh, uh, and these examples can be multiplied indefinitely. Uh, just yesterday, uh, like another person committed suicide. I mean, it was suicide. Uh, he left a farewell note in his sort of trademark style, uh, which uh, basically created uh, the uh, Lugansk People's Republic, uh, the public's uh, military communication system. Uh, like even like during, during uh, like the. 2014 to 2022 either uh, before Russia actively got involved and he actually did a better job than the uh, uh, Russian army which started the war with uh, cheap uh, Chinese Baofeng uh, videos uh, which could be very easily intercepted and uh, hacked uh, so um, um, and uh, yeah what he did was he sort of uh, revealed that uh, Russia's losses in FDFK were, were very high uh, like 60,000 that's uh, if, if if accurate, that would imply that Russia lost the equivalent of its uh, uh, of its entire decade in Afghanistan, uh, taking a suburb of Donetsk, which before the war had thirty thousand people. Uh, so, and uh, then he started getting harassed by the uh, by like the upper upper people uh, who were complicit in in this uh, um, um, like latest fiasco, and uh, committed suicide. And uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, just uh, like another day, another, another such case. Um, and uh, these things uh, repeat uh, indefinitely. Like even after I wrote yeah. the Z of history, uh, as I mentioned in my article, apart from Navalny, whom we'll discuss, I presume, uh, shortly afterwards, there was Boris Kagatlitsky, who's a uh, Marxist intellectual in prison for five years for uh, justification of terrorism. Uh, for comparison, he spent a year in prison. Uh, in in the Andropov either, so like literally Putin is sort of like more aggressive towards such people than the actual Soviet Union. Um, uh, there was uh, Sergei Udaltsov, who was extremely pro Z. He's a communist activist. He even has like like a semi formal relationship with the Communist Party, uh, but he still went to jail uh, because Putin doesn't need the risk of like state activists telling about uh, for his election. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, uh, that's, uh, basically a story that, that keeps, uh, repeating over and over again, uh, jail is programmed. And so it's very, I mean, it's interesting because there was a moment maybe in like the early 2010s where there was an intellectual Putinism, um, and they could have harnessed sort of this nationalist energy. They did, I mean, in a certain way uh, with uh, what happened at the Donbass, right? Uh, uh -huh. But then eventually it just became uh, anyone who wasn't subservient to the immediate interests of the regime uh, uh -huh. had to be had to be taken out. Is this is this a lesson? Is a lesson here? Uh, what's the lesson here? Is it something along the lines of this is why you need democratic accountability because like otherwise you're just going to get this sort of gray mediocrity because it just reminds mm -hmm. me of 
China too. You, you I thought she, I thought the Chinese were, you know, ruthless pragmatists. People would say stuff like, people five ten years ago would say stuff like, oh, they're going to adopt embryo selection. They're going to go all into it. They're going to be completely mm-hmm. unsentimental. You know, they're going to yes. stamp out all degeneracy and, and try to take over the world. And of course, they didn't do that. They're just yeah. safetyists. They're just these boring bureaucrats who who want uh, you know old people to live as long as possible and are just responding to uh, whatever you know whatever sort of mass opinion just sort of throws at them. Uh, is this is this is this the lesson? Because this is the, this is this is sort of how I see it. I, I see this parallel here. Do you see it the same way? Oh yeah, absolutely. Actually, that the China painted by uh, American Sinophiles and Tankies is a much cooler uh, China than the really existing China of uh, of uh, yeah. of uh, uh, of uh, aging Politburo people. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's very true with respect to uh, Russia as well. It is a gerontocracy in the little sense. Uh, I think the average age in uh, of, of Russian ministers is, mm. is literally something like 65, maybe 70 years. Um, uh, these people are out of touch. Uh, Putin, uh, as is well known, doesn't use the internet. Uh, he loves watching TV. Uh, uh, like one of the, uh, like just a random Navani investigation, since it's sort of like the, uh, relevant topic. Um, uh, his, uh, uh, Putin has a luxury train, uh, which he, uh, uses to travel about the country. Uh, uh, they, um, Specifically, and there was a problem with getting TV reception when it was passing underneath tunnels. Uh, so they actually, uh, like paid, uh, uh, like some university literally, um, gave them a contact to develop a system, uh, that would make sure that Putin's TV was, was working while the train was pass- passing underneath the tunnels. Uh, <laughs> uh I, I mean, uh, that's sort of like this kind of like absolutely magical detail that impresses me. Uh, in a negative way, obviously, but, but does impress me in a, in a way, uh, that, um, uh, much greater than any of the, like the palaces and the yachts and so on. Uh, because it's just so telling. Yeah. What was the, and what was the, what was the story from this TV reception story? No, no. I mean, I mean, basically Putin needs to watch TV and when the train passes underneath a tunnel, the, the, the um, um, the signal breaks off. Uh, so they had yeah. to develop a system. Uh, they specifically tasked a researcher. No, 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 but but, but, yeah. but, mm-hmm. but what's the what's the source? What's the source for the story? A Navalny investigation in the past year, like about a year ago. Uh, so Navalny uh, has a has a organization okay. called uh, uh, okay. FBK, uh, the Fund by the of Corruption, the Fund Against Corruption, and um, uh, they uh, obviously when Navalny was out of prison, uh, he was directing those corruption investigations, uh, and since he was imprisoned uh, in twenty uh, twenty, uh, they. Um, uh, started uh, showing uh, uh, those investigations. Uh, well, I mean, he has a whole team, so it's now the team doing those investigations. Yeah, yeah. So, by, by the way, people, if they're hearing sort of static, Anatoly's on the beach down there in Honduras, uh, and we have, might have a little bit of a uh, we might have a little bit of a delay. So that's if it sounds like we're talking over each other or whatever. That's that's probably that's probably why. Um, yeah. The, the so the. Uh, the parallel with Trump is fascinating, right? Because he just sits there watching TV all day and is obsessed with it, right? It's like this idea that, like, just 
being the kind of person who watches TV is like so strongly correlated with being like a small minded nationalist. Right. We thought, I think we, I think a lot of us thought, maybe you thought that Putin was some kind of intellectual uh-huh. and maybe he does read books. Uh, I don't know. Like uh-huh. um, he might read those nationalist books he talks about, yeah. uh, but his worldview is basically a TV watchers worldview. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, there was, um, uh, he started inserting, uh, uh, speeches from Ivan Ilyin, who was a white emigre and, uh, uh, relatively famous nationalist intellectual of the white emigration, uh, and, uh, who has some genuinely interesting ideas. I mean, obviously he goes overboard on, on some issues being a nationalist conservative type of person, but, uh, uh, he makes some pretty good points against, uh, sort of like, uh, federalism and, um, um, like, uh, the, why communism is bad, stuff like that. Uh, and I think that, uh, and, and, yeah, and Putin started citing him a lot. So, and I assumed that, uh, he'd read some of his stuff, but, um, uh, then I was, uh, uh, like a person, uh, who knew, uh, one of Putin's, uh, uh, speech writers, uh, uh, uh claimed that, um, uh, actually it was just, uh, one of his speech writers who, uh, uh, gave him some talking points about Ilian and then he started sort of regularly citing him. So it's a really, really an open question, uh, uh, the extent to which he actually, uh, leads. Uh, I mean, he knows his, his, his history or at least a sort of like a particular, um, uh, outlook on, on Russian history, uh, as since he, uh, ranted about, uh, 30 minutes about it, uh, in, at the beginning of his interview with, uh, uh, Tucker Carlson. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is just the kind of history that you can get in a, uh, normal school program. I mean, uh, it's sort of, uh, the, uh, perhaps the, uh, historically illiterate person's idea of what someone historically, uh, well-informed would, uh, would be capable of. Uh, so, I mean, I don't view it as some, uh, super impressive accomplishment. Uh, probably Trump would not be able to do that. Well, I mean, Trump wouldn't be able to do that, but somebody like McClellan... You have reached the end of the free recording for this episode of Clown Car. To listen to the rest of the episode, please consider becoming a paid subscriber.